As I laid against my gear, calmness came over me. I was reflecting on how easy it had all become. Every single day, worse but no better than the last. I knew my time would come to be the one laying flat on that litter. Looking up at the burning sun or transcending moon, the shared experiences always made me wonder if everyone else was having these same thoughts. Alone in their own heads, maybe. This place had engulfed me with a numbness that had all but erased any empathy that remained. If I made it out of here alive, I would never be the same. But that's okay. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Episode one of Heat Shock Friction. Initial pilot episode. And some of the things we're going to kind of run through tonight. You're going to get to meet everybody that's on the on the podcast. So you meet Breck. You meet Danny. Uh, you meet me, Mr. Mr. Blonde. And uh, we'll kind of go through uh, what we're trying to do here. You know, mission statement wise, just kind of map out how it all relates back to what we got going on in our own lives and and who we're trying to reach that's really what we want to get across tonight so you know just real quick about mr blonde just my personal outlook on this podcast when i when i first had this idea i wanted to bring across a place where we can tell stories about veterans from all branches no matter what you did uh, who, what, when, where your experience is, but just how you transitioned out of the military and what that did to you. You know, like, how did you bring that out and successful, not successful, the challenges you had, the successes you had, you know, the loss, whatever you had, how did that change you? And there's always going to be somebody out there that could benefit from hearing those stories and those experiences. So that's really what we're at the root of heat shock friction. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And, and that's why Danny and that's why myself and that's why Breck are on this podcast. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, stereotypes and, and uh, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But the stereotypes of the veteran or the military veteran getting out nowadays, the, the bro vet and, and all these other things. And honestly, a lot of my friends getting out are j- just want to, you know, get out quietly, peacefully and never be noticed and just kind of be forgotten, you know, and that, and there's an, there's a problem with that, you know, because they bring a lot of experience getting out, especially after everything that a lot of uh, veterans have gone through in the military life experience wise, that could potentially save a life one day or bring somebody back from the brink of something. So, um, for me, that's what I want to get out of it, you know, but, um, Dan, what, what, uh, what do you think this podcast is about for you? I was I was in the military for, for 16 years. Through my transition, I realized a few things that I that I wasn't prepared for at all. The normal transition issues I think that most uh, most all veterans have. But beyond that, I had something that wasn't necessarily um, big or or different than a lot of other veterans but it was a business it was something that was already working operating it was something that had to survive and then from a from the transitional standpoint uh, it made it made life very difficult because I was kept in the same place but 
required to to make a transition from one career to another so with that you know learning all the skills that i had throughout my time in the service i applied those and i think that's what that's what kind of brought me in here today is to is to be able to sit and not talk about the war stories that's not what we're here for uh, we're not here to talk about politics we're not here to talk about any of the the ttps or the procedures that we had while we were in um, it the truth to me like it really doesn't matter what our what our the root of our story is as a as a veteran it's it's just kind of about getting our story out there but it's it's more about the story for the transition piece um, because no matter what like every single service member has someone they look up to while they're in the service but once they leave the service now it's not only are you changing your job but you have to find this entirely new new life to live but um you know that kind of long-winded but to wrap it all up like that's that's really what it's about it's it is about the transitional piece it's about applying the skills that we learned as military um but absorbing and learning the skills to become a civilian absolutely so you know you hit it, the nail right on the head man you know, it's it's going to be a very relaxed atmosphere in here. We're, we kind of started off kind of serious, but I think, like you said, you know, this isn't a, a EOD-specific podcast. This isn't going to be Free Rights Bomb Center on Facebook or any of that type of stuff. Shout out to those guys. I love that page. But that's not what we're trying to accomplish here. We're not going to be talking about, like you said, tactics, attacks, patrols, things like that. Are we going to ha- go over people's experiences in the military, in combat? Yes. Is there going to be combat-related stories? Absolutely. But those stories are not the driving factor of this podcast, right? They just bring a – they kind of glean light, especially for other guys going through that same thing, being like, okay, yeah, maybe that flipped a switch in a guy, and he's like, I'm I'm kind of going through that myself. And it's going to be more focused on what you go through once we're back here because over there, doing combat and all those other things, the war stories, that's the easy part. You know, once we get back here – that's where the hard part. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's where it begins. Absolutely, and it's, it is, I, I think a lot of times too, it's seen by us as being that this is the simple place because it is kind of more, I mean, to everyone here, it's the known in, in a sense. So it seems like that that being, anyways, to, to, a, to a guy who was in the service, it felt to me that being a civilian was going to be very easy. And it's not about what's easy and what's hard in life necessarily, because I think that that uh, everyone has drive to push past the easy and the hard. But it it really was. It was it was kind of eye opening um, as you know, as a true adult uh, that had been through life and life life's experiences to then get out and, and understand that that I really didn't know too much about daily life um, or how to live it anyways without the support of of what my job was because um, that's truly what it was like you know you did a job and you gave your all to it and and in some senses it gave a lot of supports in life but that was because you gave so much to that job um, but it also you know gave some vulnerabilities but I think this is a this is a great way to to, to bring it out and to talk about it in, in the simplicities of things and also relate the things that we learned whether they were in combat whether they weren't in combat um, to the things that we're doing now when we're out or about to get out. And I think having Brett, you know, you know, someone who can see things completely from the other side of the house, like it's very, very rare. Um, even my, my current 
life as a business owner in the in the civilian that I, that I work retail and talk to people regularly i don't get the chance to like just sit and talk about like the understandings of of the relationships that that we have because it it really is uh two totally different worlds that is uh it's something that it's hard to understand so having breck is going to be great for that yeah and I, absolutely so breck uh, 100% civilian, and let's kind of get into Breck now, but, what, but I'll ask you first, Breck, what do you think about the podcast? Why, why are you on here? Why did you agree to come on here? You know, when I asked you, hey, would you like to be on here? Um, I think you'll be, bring a lot to the table, and you absolutely 100% immediately said, yeah, I'm in. I'm 100% in. Once I explained the kind of the outlook and what we're trying to do, you were like, yeah, I'm down with that. So um, expand on that. Like, what, what do you think, what that, what's, what's that all about? Well, I think um, regardless of your background, military, non-military, um, doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, uh, we all came from some laws, procedures, uh, models that we were taught to follow uh, to, to su- succeed in life. You followed some type of model, you followed some type of leader, some type of team, some type of, I come from a sports background, I had coaches and teammates, and that's the way I saw it. You know, my, my work people now are my teammates and my coach is my manager. I want to look to this to to learn um, from you guys. Well, what I learned is is I got out in the world and I started meeting with guys that were in the military, and I'm learning that a lot of their beliefs and um, models are very similar to what I what I knew, you know, and which very little was about um, being in the military. So I got a chance to meet these guys in the gym, and you start learning there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that's not similar, but you also learn from them. So my goal is here is to open, listen, see the struggles I'm having that I need to learn, see the struggles that the people coming out of the military are learning and, and what they can do to grow, and just see if the people listening can learn something yourself. Because uh, for a while I was a personal trainer, and one thing I, I asked my tra- uh, I told people, I was like, I got out of it because I became psychologist to these people. I was their best friend, I was their cousin, because think about this right now. How many people do you talk to for two, by yourself, just them, two hours a week? I don't, know, I don't think I can think of anybody that I do. And I was their, their personal trainer. So this is a good opportunity for us to sit back, let each person talk, everybody listen, and, and actually absorb and try to get something from it. And that's why I want to be here is to try to put my input in. I think uh, I, most people, the only person they talk to for more than maybe an hour a week, if, if they're not friends or anything else, is, is probably their significant other. You know, and that's about it. <laughs> I think that would be about the max. So, um, but tell us, tell us about you, Breck. Um, where, where are you from? I'm from a small town, North Carolina, um, Pembroke, North Carolina. Uh, I think we got a Burger King my senior year. Uh, I grew up in a family of four boys. Um, um, you know, mom and dad. You know, kind of like the TV story. Mom and dad both teachers. Uh, grew up in a sports household. You know, that was it. You know, we every day of the week was traveling to a different ball game. You know, we had the station wagons and the vans, and mom and dad were driving everybody to practice and to and from practice as soon as they got off work. You know, my dad's a twin brother, and, you know, the military was not something that we were taught to look to because my uncle was drafted in Vietnam. So it's kind of like you don't – that's something you didn't want to do. I don't know why. It just seemed like it was. Um, you know, my dad was in, enrolled in college, so he was not drafted, and my uncle was. It's not that it was bad. It was just like we – it was almost like you were told to avoid it. Um so, you know, our thing was put into, you know, we were taught, you know, structure, 
you know, that's where I got my structure was practice. You know, you, you learn discipline. I mean, my dad said to me, uh, you're not going to be the fastest player, you're not going to be the best player, and you're not going to be the, you know, the strongest player. But if you're first at practice, eventually it'll catch up. It's the best advice I've ever gotten in my entire life. Um, and I've noticed that it, it works not only in sports, but it works in life. You know, I might not be the smartest person or the best employee, but if I practice as hard as I can at my craft, eventually I will be. Um, growing up, I'm super small town, very happy. You know, uh, I played basketball and football and baseball all growing up until I got to uh, college where I, I was lucky enough to um, play on the JV basketball team and then I made this random sport called team handball. Made the U.S. team, traveled the world playing on the U.S. team from 2000 to 2005. Played in six or seven different countries and I got a chance to play in the world championships, which uh, I have to give a plug. The, our team this year is qualified maybe because of covid maybe not but it's the first time the u.s has qualified for a world championship since i was on the team in 2001 so happy for my guys you know 20 years later we're finally back there and, and where do those world championships go down at when i played it was in france and this year okay. it's in egypt so it's going to be in mid-january this year i'm looking forward to watching i'm sure it should be televised because there's not a whole lot of sports going on right now but you know that's where that's that's my my structure you know i, I was if you showed up, you were supposed to dress well. You were supposed to represent the team. You were supposed to be a teammate, be a good student as well. So that that's my kind of structure, and that's how kind of I relate to in, in, in my life. I mean, I, I told my basketball coach, it's probably three, four years ago, I texted my college basketball coach. I said, the principles I learned in practice, the quotes that we learned to say before each practice, I apply more now as an adult than I did in the actual practice, and it's, it's true. I mean, it's yeah. just certain things you learn. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and I know you, you said earlier you were like, there's a there's a saying in the military as well, if you're not smart, you better be strong. So I think uh, when I was a kid, my that's something my dad used to tell me too. Like, hey man, hey kid, if you're not smart, you better be strong because you got to make up for it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so um, coming up in your family, you have uh, three brothers, right? Three brothers. Okay, and what's the age? difference between all you guys we are about four years apart each i'm the what they call the knee baby in the south which means i'm the one next to the youngest uh, my oldest brother i think was born in 70 and my youngest brother was born in 81 so we're Wait a second, almost real quick what why is it called a knee baby in the south <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had to get that. Here's how my mom explained it when you're a knee baby there's one in the arm and there's one hanging at the knee oh okay hey, makes all right. sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay all right <laughs> Um, it's, it's a fun, you know, fun house. All of us playing ball, and I, I got a great story I can't leave out. This is about my grandma. Uh, this story was told at church as well. Someone asked if she had been to see us this week or what time she was going over. She said, I, I can't go over there all the time because there's nothing but balls at that house. <laughs> so she meant that as literal and physically as she possibly could because she was really funny, and she taught school for 50 years. Yeah, <laughs> nothing but balls at that house. I ain't Grandma's talking about balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, she meant the basketballs and the footballs, but, yeah, we get it. We knew what she meant. Yeah. So your your grandmother's an educator, uh, mother was also an educator, or still an educator. Yeah, correct? she's in her 51st year. My dad taught school uh, for, I think he was in around about 30s, and then he, until he was off on disability. He, got, he contracted a rare disease in the late 80s and was on disability until he passed away. You know, your, your upbringing, pretty, pretty standard upbringing, you know what I mean? Uh, what made you want to go into 
handball or do any kind of sports? Like, what were the – I know competition with your brothers and stuff like that, but what what was the driving factor? Was it your father? I, it, was, it was kind of a little bit of all of it. I mean, my, my mom was probably the – I don't want to say the least athletic. She just, you know, was never – I think she might have majored in high school or something like that. But my dad was a very good athlete. My uncle was a very good athlete. You know, they just it, – it, you know, we were never forced. Uh, I can't think of every time where – uh, it was like I don't want to go to practice. It was um, we were begging to be there early. I don't, I don't, I can't. I wish I could tell you there was a reason why, um, but I think it was just because it was never an issue. Like Dad played basketball two nights a week until he got sick, um, and all we want to do is be old enough to make it. Uh, or sorry, or to be allowed to go play ball with Dad. Uh, it was a big thing at home. Uh, we sat around and watched games all the time together, and um, I, it was just it was a that was a big thing we always did you know it was, it was competition you know you learn discipline I don't know if that's why we chose it uh, probably not probably because it was fun and it came pretty easy uh, I had older brothers so I was a little bit advanced at a young age because I have I played against them and they were the best on their team so I wouldn't say I was the best on my teams but I was twice as good as I should have been just from watching them but yeah did you uh did you just grow up watching sports um like do you remember watching sports before you started playing them uh, absolutely what, yeah absolutely so and, and that's why like i kind of wonder like it, it shares a lot of a lot of side-by-sides with the military as far as the team aspect goes um but it really does like you see a, a lot of athletes you know they really put a lot into that through school which carries them to uh to college which is kind of away from the military um and away from that team aspect and then you kind of have like the the stragglers that kind of come behind it seems like who didn't really play a lot of sports um you have a few uh, in the military but I, for the most part i'd say like there's a lot who aren't obviously they aren't at the college league whenever they whenever they leave high school so it's kind of interesting though um in the same sense that everyone's still it, leaving from the high school standpoint is still looking for that um but the very the the strange similarities between college and where that carries you into sports and the military and where that carries the rest of us i i can't speak for um you know anyone anyone but myself but it it just always was there like I can't ever remember being told that this is what you should be doing it it just my brothers did it uh and I always wanted to do it it's like like I always looked up to them and and when my younger brother got taller than I was I was looking up to him too (laughs) Um, Where where did handball come in though I play well University of North Carolina Chapel Hill I'm we already it already sounds like uh it's one of the top programs in the country and I'm not a an elite basketball player at all. I won on um, knowing where to be and understanding the, sp- the game probably higher than I should have. And then I played two years on the JV team, did not make varsity for obvious reasons. And it was a sport that a friend of mine was playing as a club at uh, UNC Chapel Hill and tried out. And my first year there was a transition for the na- national team where they were looking for new players. And I was at a tournament in Tampa and got a call literally like a movie i'm in the pool in tampa after a tournament's supposed to be over and there's a the guy the bartender turned and says is there a breck sampson in anywhere anywhere around um yeah here i am and, yeah that's me yeah <laughs> uh, you got a phone call for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he says yeah and it was uh, my coach was saying hey the national team coach wants to talk to you they got a tournament uh in brazil in a month and they want you to be on the team and i was like oh okay so i had a month to get a passport and go to work and that was 
that's uh, how that story goes. I started play. Uh, first year was in um, Brazil, and then it went. After that, we played a different country every year. Qualified for World Championships in 2001. We trained for in Iceland for two weeks, and then these are great trips. But uh, honestly, it was like big naps. I mean, you literally slept, had a ate, practiced, ate, slept, and had a game. I don't remember most of it. Well, I'll tell you that, Brick. Like one of the like the things that you hear a lot of service members say, like their desire to go to, they want to travel. They want to travel. That's why they go to the military. Is they want to travel. And I never would have thought handball would have took anyone in this world from Pembroke, North Carolina, right to, to even the, France. I mean, France, let alone the, the neighboring county. Yeah, you know, I didn't. I never would have. So it, that awesome. in itself is is kind of like eye opening and. I think it should be another thing that we even talk about here is to, to kind of look at, look on the other side of the fence for the for the veteran guys. Like, look at the other side of the fence. It's not so bad. It's not it's not really probably even what you think it is. Yeah. That there's opportunities out there for everybody on both sides, both directions. So there's, you know, to talk like this, like I would have never thought that handball could have took you to, yeah. let alone one, all, many different countries. Yeah, but I think also like there, there's veterans that get out, and they I don't I don't think they realize their potential or what they're what they're doing. There's a lot of guys that get out, you know what I mean, and they they kind of move on to other things, tattooing or DJing or or whatever, fishing, deep sea fishing. I I know a guy that got out and he, he's down in Florida just deep sea fishing all the time. Guys can get out and literally do so much, but that I think that transition point, you know, and that's something I'm going through right now. You know, I'm on my way out. And, and I'm, I'm kind of like struggling with like, I have all these things lined up and I know what I want to do when I get out, but it's like, man, you know, like I, it, it, it just, it's very intimidating, you know, and I'm not afraid to say that, you know, it is super intimidating. And I know a lot of guys that have been like, man, I'm kind of sketched out about this transition. You know what I mean? Um, because even like over the sports team, you know, you, you always have that port, you always have a part on it. There's always somebody you're supporting or something you're supporting. And and for that switch to be turned off um, pretty much overnight, you know, now it's like, okay, now what? Yeah, I got, I got family or I got a wife or I got a girlfriend or I got parents or a brother or sister back home or whatever it is. But, like, now what? You know, I think that's the big question. Now what? You know? like well, I kind of uh, – this is what – you know, I don't know if this is when we want to get into this so early, but – you know, talking about the traveling, you know, when we're on those trips, those three-week trips, the only thing you're concerned about is eating, health, and winning games. And it literally transitions everything. You don't think about, you know, you don't care where your cell phone is. You don't care what's going on anywhere. It's literally get up, you know, eat, get into practice, be in best shape, and do your objective, you know, go over your plays so that when you get on the court, you do exactly what you're supposed to do. We don't have space. We're learning college. We don't have space for my bads. Every mistake, we got 15 players on the team. We got 15 my bads. We got 15 turnovers. We can't have that. So, How, how great was that to, to be? Like, whenever you only have to worry about those those few things. Like, did you enjoy that in, in your life? Was it something – was it enjoyable to only have that one focus to be an athlete? Absolutely. I mean, because literally, you know, I, I was a rookie at, at one point, and you were, your job was to carry everything. You were knocking on doors, and if, if – no, the way it was set up is you got hazed a little bit. Uh, if it was your rookie, you had to make sure all the veterans were at practice on time, or it was your fault, not their fault. It was your fault because you didn't get them there on time. So I get that, but you loved it. 
it was a teammate and you know you learn the rules if you messed up with the rules you you know if it was your birthday on the trip you got a pink belly i mean i mean i'm sure y'all probably know what that is but brick that's it's a you know whenever the word haze i as a military guy whenever you hear the word haze or hazing uh, it's it's it is very serious now in the military it's and I know it is in college as well. I know that that's, that's changed as well um, throughout college. But it has changed the dynamics. It has changed, you know, the dynamics of, of the military. Uh, but ultimately, it, it's still happening. It still happens no matter, no matter what the physical attribute of hazing is. It, hazing is still happening um, for the good. And, and I think that that, that is part of, of building a team. And it's funny to hear you say it like that because it, it, it is exactly what it feels like to be on a deployment. It is easy. Um, and it's not easy in the sense of like daily life is easy. Uh, daily life can actually be very miserable, but it's easy in the sense of you only really have to concern yourself with one thing and it's being there to play the game. Yep. And everything else and is, is done for you by means that are set up by the military and everyone's jobs and everyone doing exactly what they're supposed to do. That's what makes everyone's job so important in the military and regardless of what they're doing what they you know and i hope that sitting around this table that we can bring those other skills and those other people into to this table to, to bring those just like you are the civilian portion in and just like i am the you know the activity portion into this just those different aspects of of what it's like to to go through those experiences because they they relate so closely um in every aspect yep you know just a caveat on that you know I think the, the the different backgrounds that even on a sports team, a collegiate level sports team or a professional sports team and in the military, you have so many different backgrounds and people come into play for one common goal or one common team Absolutely. and that's to win. Right. So like, I think that's, that's huge. And that, that's like a, a cultural dynamic that I think is getting lost right now, you know, with um, you know, a lot of things going on and even in the military or even in sports and, and around the world, you know, like we've kind of lost that, that, uh, okay, no matter what the, the end goal is the, is the end goal. You know, there's nothing in between that, that win or that next game or that practice, or like, if, even if you let, and, and that exacerbates the fact, like if you let somebody down, man, you just, you just want to go that much harder. Like you just like, man, I just let that per I just let my whole team down. Right. Or like my leader or whoever. Right. So I'm super excited about having you here. We're going to have, we're, I'm, you know, we're going to have so many people on this podcast. I, I got so many people in mind, good friends of mine and people I barely met too. Um, you know, but like, you know, Ralph D. Quebec, you know, just a, an amazing human being, um, lost his legs in 2012, it, now playing on the USA hockey team and just an all around, you know, just a stubborn guy that just will not give up right and that's 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 where the stories we're trying to get across you know the do not give up don't give in to that thing that in your mind that tells you okay fuck it like this is fucking too hard or whatever because you didn't do it in the military you know what i mean you made it through the military you made it through wherever you were doing and now like this is supposed to be the time in your life where you're supposed to be at your happiest you know this is the happiest point of your life you know, this is when you can start your life and actually like do whatever you want to do, you know, meet new people or, or start a business or go play a sport. You have, there's so many skills you get that when you get out, like for you to, to go back home and just kind of 
surf that out and lay it up, it that's the worst thing you can do, you know, to, to me. Oh, so. absolutely. The amount of joint support that there is out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that crosses – the guys that, that – there is absolutely no reason to believe that what you did – like the time that you had in the military or the time that you had in that job, that once you leave it, you don't have anything to put on a resume for the next job. That's the biggest thing that I get and I hear from other people. And, and even inside of my current business now, um, getting resumes from – both active duty and veterans, they have a, a, a very sparse and bare resume due to they feel like their skills that they had while they were in the military don't transition because that was a different job. And that's not the truth. That's not the truth at all. They gain skills through the time that they did, and it's just living life. And I think that sitting around the table, we'll be able to, to really identify that because it the similarities across the board between uh, whether you go to uh, a four-year school and and to college or you go to the military for four years and you learn a skill to be an adult to be a human to be someone who works in the world and provides something to the world just the same as someone goes to college i i think that to identify those similarities is going to be is going to be awesome in sitting here all right uh question just you know from the friends i have that are in the military um have been in the military there, there's a common thing that you know um i have noticed is that is their strong sense of team and um and belonging uh do you when you're talking about people walking in with a resume and and not thinking they got anything to put on it how do you think that affects their ability to because it's almost like your a resume is you and it's almost like you showing who you are do you think that sense of belonging and, and them not wanting to single themselves out kind of um, hinders them with putting something on the resume. You know, like there's this cliche out there where, where dudes, I hear it all the time, man. I hear it all the fucking time. And every time I hear it, it just makes me cringe when guys go, you know, I shot a machine gun for the last four years. That's all I know how to do, right? How does that equate over to my next life, you know? And it's like, dude. If that's all you got out of your four years and you did a couple of pumps to Afghan or you did two, a deployment or two to Iraq or both or you did a Mew or whatever you did, peacetime deployment to wherever, you got so much more out of the military. And for, for anybody that thinks that they didn't, that's like somebody saying, I went to college for four years and I walked away with nothing but student debt. Like, no, you walked away with life skills. You met some probably good, really good friends. And you also probably came away with something that you can turn into something else. Like, that would be a hobby now. But literally, if you worked at it and, and, and devoted what you did in the military to the same kind of aspects, that's what we're saying on this podcast, right? Like, Absolutely. put together a plan and execute it. You know what I mean? Like, put together the, the skills you learned in the military. Put those together and, and take that hobby to a business. Take it to a, a profitable thing. Even just take it to where it gets you out of your funk or maybe it pulls you out of a depression. Whatever it is, right? Like, I hate to hear that, man. Like, when people go, oh, yeah, that's all I can put on my resume because I'm a, I'm a 03 fucking XX. Like, i just been shooting people in the face for four years or eight years or 12 years. Like, that's all I've done. Like, dude, I, I could say for the last fucking 18, 20 years, I've, that's all I've done is just go to deploy and go to war. That's not what I got out of it. I got great fucking friends. Right, and I got a couple good fucking hobbies that I'm gonna make into something else when I get out. 
and what that does is it takes a takes you out of that mindset of focusing in on those scars because you will take those bad things with you out of the military and that's where that starts is like when you just lay it up and say okay well if you if you take those and you kind of negate or just kind of not suppress but like that's not the right word but just kind of push those things to the side don't feed into the negativity and the depression and all that stuff because it's gonna come regardless even just even if you never saw combat combat and you get out of the military you already you're coming out of it a different outlook but you're also coming out with with baggage just like everybody else is so you can't take that baggage and just hold on to it and let it sink you in the fucking pond you got to just divulge it and get to the top and be like all right this is what i'm doing i'm gonna focus on this and if you fucking fail you fucking fail everybody fucking fails that's the other thing i think that military guys when they get out they, they're afraid to fail you know like afraid to like they're afraid to take that leap because they've only had to worry about a specific things and yeah they're fucking hard but they've had to worry about those specific things and they're afraid to fail you know what i mean they're afraid to put themselves out there and try new shit you know and it's scary it's fucking scary you know it's hard for a grown man to say i'm fucking scared of this you know you know, because you've, you've, for four years, eight years, 12 years, 20 years, whatever, you've said, I'm not scared. I don't give a fuck about that, whatever that thing is, right? I mean, yeah, that's how no, I feel. Well, I think that's the thing that I, I, I was trying to get across is that, you know, you guys had actual responsibilities, actual duties. You know, a lot of people coming out at 22, 24, like you were saying, have worked for somebody. They were sort of put on, I mean, yeah, you have to do your schoolwork, nobody can do it for you, but... I mean, when you have a job and you, and people are relying on you, you know, when outside of the military, I don't know if you, how much you see it as much. And I think um, what I, you know what I'd like for is those guys to understand how much experience that is and how much further along I think they are than a lot of people coming out. Now, I'm not saying for everybody because a lot of people are in situations that have to take care of their own self. But those skills are things that it, you know, from what I'm hearing, is just. You know, it, it's it's irreplaceable. I mean, you're a part of a team that doesn't work unless your part is done. And how many 22-year-olds do we know that are not, that have that kind of responsibility? Like, if you met a random 22-year-old on the side of the road that's not, like, how often are they really relied on other than to just be there? Yeah. But, I, I mean, there's 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 something to gain on both sides, Absolutely. Right? That's what I'm not So, like, a at, regular 22- or 23-year-old – listening to this podcast or even just talking to a, a veteran, a military guy, you know, he can, and, and a, a veteran or a military guy talking to somebody that, I mean, me and you talk all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I asked you to come on here. Cause like we talk about shit all the time, you know, even, even uh, on the car ride up here, we talked about like, you know, it's like a give and a take, you know, and if you can find good friends, even veterans that are, that are, are strictly veterans, I would just challenge all veterans, man. Just open your, your friend pool up to people that aren't even – include other people in your life. You know what I mean? Whether it's professionally or personally because they're, they're going to change your whole outlook. Because you may think like, okay, well, I got a little more life experience or I've done way more than they have in four years or five years. They've just been at college or having kids or working. But they, they're on the other aspect of that, of that slide, right? Like they, they can feed you or, or make you learn something that you wouldn't even fucking thought about. You know what I mean? To like interact with people, right? Um, there's always, like I said earlier, those stereotypes of the military veteran. It's all about like, okay, well, this guy is, is always flying off the handle or like, you know, anytime he's at work, he's, he's doing this or doing that. 
you know, you can't run your business. I mean, and Danny can chime in on this, but you can't run your business like the fucking military or it's not going to succeed. No, no. I mean, yeah. my I'm business, it was, it was operating while I was still active. Um, you know, I couldn't even come into my own business wearing my uniform from one job to another. It was my own business. There was like, there was, there were certain things that had to be divided and things like that. And it made it, fortunately for me, I started that process before I ever even knew I was going to get out of the military. I started building a business before I ever even knew. That was my investment in, into into my life. How did that come about? Like, what put that in you? Was that some, I mean, like you know, uh, like you said, you knew. Did you know this is what you wanted to do? So it, it was. It was definitely. Um, it was a passion at that point in my life. It was. Uh, I was. I was very big into physical fitness. Um, I was not a personal trainer. Um, at that time I, I had just made my transition into special operations uh, as an EOD tech. I was looking outward, I, you know, into investments into my life. Um, I was married at the time. Uh, my ex was getting out of the military, so it was going to provide her a job as well to sit and manage it. But ultimately it was, it was about the investment into business and it was to, to start to learn business and what was, you know, I thought was a good market. Uh, and it, it, it managed itself during that time, but it was really um, difficult because during the, my time of active, I really wasn't involved too much in my in my business. I was really deployed a lot and gone. Um, and then, you know, post military, I've been divorced, and I really took I took full control of the business, and that and it really became all my understanding of how I was. And it was so many bad decisions and things done on my behalf and on. On others, it, it was it was difficult to, to understand the relationships and what what needed and what I needed to do, but you know, I think you know through time I have been able to learn how to um, actually integrate the things that I learn in the military back into my business, uh, but do them without the demand of a timeline that the military places onto a lot of things because that's just it's just not appropriate in 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 the civilian market, you know. That would be it kind of leads me to another question is how does this training contribute to your business's success like your your military background how does that contribute to running a successful business I'm looking at this place and it is a successful business like how does, how does it how does it translate well it, I mean pers- if you're a business owner hire a veteran uh, that I can't take the, res- the the all the credit for for what you see around you right now Breck on my own shoulders but this is all built by the employees that are that are here and um, every single one of them are veterans and that I don't think that 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 doesn't make or break an employee and I'm not going to say that it does because I've had people who've never been in the military work and and did an incredible job here at kinetic managing and everything else so there's a lot of things that that both sides have to offer but really bringing in the team aspect um, kind of going back to your question bring in the team aspect and and truly kind of the, the the skills that the military kind of integrates like by segmenting out different sections of business, whether it be shipping, uh, I, like logistics, or it be um, product development or, or you know, something like that in, in like market research, i.e. my Intel guys. Um, it might be marketing um, digitally. So i.e. like, you know, my more data individuals what 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 i get at with all of those is i think a lot of people say whenever we're sitting here and talking about veterans and 
and I'm an EOD tech. I was a prior EOD tech. All of these other skills that I'm mentioning are not combat arm skills. Uh, none of them are combat arm nope. skills. Not um, even close. None of them even relate because the pressures that you feel under combat are not the same as the pressures that you feel under business. It's it's completely different feelings. Personally, I, that's how I feel. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's probably plenty of veterans who are damning me right now for saying that, but it's the truth. It doesn't mean that, that just because you're not in those logistic fields and those things that whenever you get out that you don't have skills either. Don't take that the wrong way, because everyone has skills equally if they came from the military. Uh, because I don't want to take away from the other EOD techs or the other uh, military members in general, special operations, whoever, of their skills. I am no one special, though. I have never been anyone special. I've never been the best at, at anything that I can, you know, really remember. Even if, even if given something is, I, I, I truly knew inside that I wasn't. And so, and I think a lot of a lot of people, a lot of men and women who are in special operations, who are in the the, uh, the elite services, can honestly say and, and feel the same things. I grew up. Um, to kind of back up, I grew up in a very humble environment, just in the very same as you, um, on a on a family farm in Missouri. You know, my mother and father raised me and my older brother for almost uh, shoot 14 years with just me and my older brother. And then, as my older brother went to college, my parents had two more kids um, as we went as we went on. And then I went to the military at, at 18. Day after I graduated high school, I was in the military. It wasn't for really for any. I was definitely a patriot. You know, I was definitely. I wanted to go serve my country. At that time, it was you know it was 2004. Obviously, the the desire to to go and stand up for the for a country that had been hurt at that time was very desirable on, on many people. And I was very very much the same. But yeah, joined joined young, um, straight out of high school, and never. Throughout high school, I, I wasn't into sports like you, Rick. I wasn't at all into uh, sports. My my family was not, I say immediately, my father was not into sports. I didn't have that kind of relationship with my father. My father was a, a, a worker. He was a farmer. Um, he did row crop farming. Um, we had you know, a fairly, fairly large family row crop operation. Uh, but he was also a paramedic. He was, you know, a workaholic to a sense. But a great father, um, and and my mother is the same. Like they they both had second jobs and and those type of things that were really full time jobs. They didn't come home until later in the evening. Me and my brother had chores and responsibilities, and but there wasn't room for really sports. One due to like distance that we lived from the school, but I didn't go to a big school or anything. And I think that's very common for a lot of a lot of military men and women. Um, I think that that upbringing is is somewhat of a common common thing um i wasn't the best student in high school i, I was a I'll, I'll be honest and i'll be a hundred percent i was a terrible student in high school i was absolutely terrible i was a d student when i graduated i wasn't set up for i didn't set myself up for high school everyone else did and i didn't do it for myself and what whatever whatever it may have been that was my road but then through the development not only in the in the military but i think just growing up which everyone does it, whether you go to college or whether you go to military, just growing up brings those things to us. And at that point, it was absolutely an upbringing that drove me or gave me the inner drive to continue my progression in the military. That was my drive. But it, 
you know, it's the same. seems like it was the exact same for you um, in, in sports. I didn't have those bonds with my father over sports, uh, but I had a lot of bonds with my father in many other ways. I think it's still one of the closest relationships that, relationships that I have um, to this day. But it's, you know, it's very interesting that, that your bonds were built off of, off of something like that, uh, that is very close to, to what the bonds are for, for a veteran. And, and anyways, um, yeah, no, no sports in high school, graduated high school, went to the military um, the day after, after I graduated off the boot camp. So where, where'd you go? Where'd you go in boot camp? Which boot? Which boot camp? Went to uh, West Coast, East Coast. Yeah, I went to West Coast. West West Coast. Had you uh, had you ever traveled outside of your city before, like your town or, or mm-hmm. county? Not that I remember. Um, I def- Well, I do remember like driving. We went to like the Grand Canyon as a kid or something else. But it was the first time I ever got on an actual big airplane. I do remember it being. A pretty scary thing. I didn't really <laughs> even care about boot camp. I was actually more worried about the, the plane ride there. <laughs> yes. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely a good experience. Like boot camp. I don't, I don't know. Boot camp was kind of a, a a blank spot in my mind. I definitely remember it. It was yeah. definitely a place that I learned a lot. And boot camp changes people. It changes every single person. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What yeah. you say? Let me. Look, I, being a civilian, what does that mean? It changes people. How does it change people? And what's the reasoning behind it? Honestly, man, like I, I'm a firm believer in, hey man, like anybody can, I'm sure there's scientific facts that bring up anybody's argument on this, you know, with any of the services, boot camps, the Marine Corps boot camp is like legit indoctrination. Like Absolutely. Psychological indoctrination into what the Marine Corps is. Like when they spit you out after being there for three months, whether you're Paris Island or San Diego, you step out. A totally different person because 24 hours a day, my well, maybe 16, 16 to 18 hours a day, your your day is 100% controlled, and your whole goal in life is to learn everything, like any and every little detail that they throw at you. Like attention to detail, I think is like the the motto of boot camp. I'm pretty sure that the even the the drill instructors themselves. I'm not saying all, even they don't even know to the full extent of the indoctrination program that they're even a part of. Um, I mean, everything structurally is completely based off of having 100% control of every single mind inside of that building for 100% of the time. And they rotate between each other. Uh, they do have, it's for a good purpose. I mean, in my personal opinion, and some will describe it's, it's for a great reason is to, is to build those exact same things that you're talking about in camaraderie and, and team and those type of things like i you don't have we should bring someone a little bit younger in yes. this conversation yeah uh, but when i was there you didn't have conversations i don't remember anyone personally from from boot camp and i might just be a, a rarity i really don't i had a lot of conversations with a lot of people but you don't have time to be, to to learn someone personally in any right so you might you might know someone you might recognize them later on it's kind of it's, it's a small world in the military even though it's it seems like it's large you run into people later on in your career that that you know you may have went to boot camp with um but yeah it's 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 a really strange yeah strange and thing. i think i think sports teams right like i would equate it to without the indoctrination like take the indoctrination out i would equate it to like a 
professional sports team the way they do summer camp. Yeah, pre right. pre camp. Pre camp, yeah. right? So like, t- whatever sports you know, whatever NFL team or NBA team, they you're literally there for the whole entire summer or three months, and your whole you wake up, you room probably bunk with a person, you go to chow with a certain group of people, you're suffering with another group of people, you're getting punished if you're on special teams or or office deep, whatever right you get what i'm saying like you you were that you're living and breathing with the other eight people or 10 people or 12 people or to collective as the whole 60 80 man team that is what it really equates to right and, and yeah and they and I, I say this lightly but they don't care if you get hurt in the preseason because you got time to heal exactly right. and they don't yeah. care in boot camp exactly. if you get hurt because they'll just keep you there in the in the in the brook dick you wing. don't need fingers and yeah you'll just be hanging out dude like with a cast on your leg like i've seen a couple of dudes from my boot camp just waiting for the next cycle and that's the thing is it, it is a machine you know like that's what they do year round and they do it for a good they do it very well they do it for a good purpose so. it doesn't stop at what, boot yeah. camp though either i, I with the machine portion no absolutely um, not. It, it definitely doesn't stop there's still there's still definitely some some jobs out there that that still fall into the indoctrinational portion but yeah every single job though even even as you continue so i mean once you leave boot camp once i left boot camp i went straight to engineer school i became a combat engineer i spent a few months you know on the east coast uh, out in camp lejeune learning construction bridging and demolitions within a few months was told that I'm now a combat engineer and I go do this and, 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 and have these skills. Realistically, what that did is it just took me on deployments to support grunt operations and doing doing the the explosive side of the job. Didn't really get too much construction and bridging side. But Okay, you said what, de- deployments. I mean, I know you're going somewhere, but go, well, tell me what that is. I, I mean, again, Oh, so, so deployments are just going overseas, going over to Afghanistan, Iraq at that time. The first one was was very you're new you're new in that you you do leave your job school um me as an engineer you get sent out and you get told hey you're gonna go and you have you know superiors just like a normal job but you don't really know your job you don't know it at all and then you know you get out there and you are by yourself and you learn it and you on the job train while you're out there but then as you go through the military, whether you want to or not, if you continue to remain in the military, you're going to be forced to continue the education. You're going to be forced whether it's if you want to stay in your in, in the exact same MOS uh, job. MOS is, is a job field. I was going to uh, military occupational specialty. That's that, there's like a designator for any job in the military, Army, Navy, you know, like Navy, they have specific ranks and specific job fields in the Marine Corps. It's, it's for Four numbers that give you your job. In the army, it's two numbers and uh, a letter, right? Yeah. So do I mean, you qualify for that? Do you get selected? Abs- for no, that? you go to a, you go like an initial school. Okay. It's an MOS producing school that just puts you out in the wild after they teach you the basics of whatever you're doing. So if you're an admin dude, you're t- you're typing, right? Or you're you're filing, you're doing data entry, you're you're doing awards, you know, all that admin type stuff. You're a, a logistician, you're learning how to tie strap down and and put in certain requests and and do all the numbers to make sure everything's going right if you're a truck driver you learn how to drive trucks dude if you've hired a new dude mr blunt to simplify this though brick these are these are trade jobs these are trade skills these are not 
um, university in you know in the in the scheme of things. They're yeah. trade skills. Uh, you know, it's not teaching someone to be a doctor or anything like that. Those are that's the officer side of the military. They're yeah. they're already been you know obviously to college. You probably already, obviously already know that, but they the officer side is where the the uh, real educators of the the force come from. Um, and the the main workforce obviously is the enlisted side, so that's the blue collar, if yep. you will, worker of the of the service. Hundred uh, percent. But yeah, I mean, it's whether you whether you come into the military with that job or no matter what, you're going to continue your education in in the military, and you're going to be forced to do it if you if you choose to stay in. The military works just as most Fortune 500 companies, and that's the basis of it, um, which. You know, as, as we go on in, in my story, which kind of interested me um, as I started to move up in the rank, I looked at, at military as more of a business structure rather than a, a military function. But the whole structure of the military is to continue the education of its force um, or its members as long as it has those controls. So no matter what, whether you choose to move to a different job or, you, or you're staying in, your, in, your, in the job because you like it and you're progressing in that, in that field, uh, the military will, will move you in, outside of your job just as the normal workforce does, as Fortune 500, Fortune 500 companies do, to create change inside of the company for multiple reasons. One, to see the flaws, to, to create new, to bring new thoughts and those type of processes. So throughout the military, that's kind of what happened to me. And, and I didn't want to take the road of being... Uh, in the same job, I, I, I seen on my first deployment to Afghanistan the the actions of other engineers and the need of EOD techs. Uh, the the desire that we didn't have them um, in in the first deployment that I was at. I deployed in 2004 to Afghanistan into the, the northeast uh, Kunar province, and there was no uh, EOD techs there. It was just us and. We had some information, some knowledge, but the truth is, is no one was trained. No one really knew what we were doing, and we were being asked to do things that we shouldn't have been doing, but at the same time, there was no one else to do those things. Uh, so it was, it was a, it was a, that was the, the kind of the pushing factor for me to push myself to something. I enjoyed what I was doing as an engineer, loved it, but I wanted to be able to do something more whenever my hands were tied. Pushed you towards the that was That was explosive or disposal. I mean, that was the, the, the desire to move there. I already, obviously, who doesn't love to blow shit up? Yeah. If you don't love to blow shit up, like, I don't know who you are. But everyone loves that. But it was it was that. It was, it was definitely more, I wanted to learn more about it. I wanted to, to understand in depth, not just explosives but the use of them how to change the battle space with them or without them so it was it was something that that really drove me and that was that was my passion but that's not everyone's passion in the military just because they didn't choose my passion doesn't make that their their skills were just as important and just as as notable and those type of things. But that's the important things that regardless, we're going to be forced in those education pathways. Well, you talk about the word passion. You probably didn't have a passion for that before you got there. Um, and passion is something that, you know, is developed. And like you said, it, that was your choice. There's always different types of passion. But I guess how do you go from 
you know, where you were to it being a passion to be EOD um, and move forward. I mean, was that something you developed, uh, an yeah. experience that you had? Because that, that's an interesting question because a lot of guys, including myself, just had interaction with EOD. And you said you guys had no EOD. You just had the, the requirement for them. For me, I, I had uh, initial interaction with EOD, and that's what made me want to go to EOD. So, so that's a good question. Like, what, what – I know you guys wanted them there, but, like, did you get back and you were like, I don't want to do this engineer shit anymore? Or was it like, I need to progress. I need to do something more. I'm not ready to get out of the military yet. You know, is that where you were asking, Brett? Well, I just I – just, it's – Passion is such a strong word, and it, if everybody could find a passion, it would make work so much uh, easier on a day-to-day basis. Like, you wake up wanting to go to work. Not maybe every day, but if you've got a passion for it, you want to succeed, you want to be good at it. When I, what, I mean, if people listening, everybody wants to be passionate about what they do or what they have. Like, if we can help expand and, lo- and, and like, pinpoint what, you know, maybe we can help people understand how to have more passion at work. I think that's kind of why I've always wondered why um, why the military ever had a hard time with recruiting, in a sense, because the shit that we did was badass as fuck, man. Like, I, at the end of the day, too, like, that's a bad, bad way to describe it. But it made, it, it made me happy. It made the guys who were doing it happy. There was opportunities to do something more. Um, whenever you seen that others, it's not that others wouldn't do it. Others were doing it. Uh, whenever I joined, there was plenty who were signing up as fast as they could and plenty who were dying whenever I was signing up. So it, it had nothing to do with that. It was, it was absolutely just a, just a desire to know that you can do more. And I think that's something that the military does a great job with instilling. It does. It, 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 it puts fire into people to drive and to work whenever they've never had it in their life before. I had it in my life before. I was raised on a farm. I was, I was given those good core values that, that I think of, that I hold, you know, pretty high standard, like work, you work for it every day and you don't, there's, there's not, there's not a day off no matter what, if you want your happiness, if you want your, your, your life. And, and that carried, that carried me in the military, but truthfully, like not everyone has that when they when they go in there but pretty much all have it when they come out whether they're whether they're strong in it or not whether they're, they're strong belief that they have it or not is one thing but the truth is they actually have it in there it's, it's probably the same as every every college student who graduates has the ability to go out into the job force and get a job yeah and that's that's my question so you know you had that fire kind of going in and then once you transitioned to EOD you had you still had that fire progression then you went, you doubled down. Okay, now I'm going to try this EOD thing at in special operations, you know. But how did, how did you bring it out? You know, how did you keep that fire in your belly? You know, per se, like keep it in you to where once you transitioned out, now you put that fire towards that energy towards something else. You know, like I, I think that's where a lot of guys have that issue of, you know, all right, well, my life's fucking crumbling or. You know, I don't have my friends around anymore or whatever excuse that they kind of come up with or or maybe it, it, it maybe it's a reality. You know, they're, they're having issues, you know, like mental issues or mental health or uh, uh, alcohol, uh, you know, substance abuse or whatever. How, how do you what made you successful at transitioning that for transitioning out was was definitely uh, it was it was shocking to me. I didn't know that I was getting out 
Um, I, I mean, I, I knew about nine months prior to getting out that that I was going to be getting out. I'd done. I'd been in uh, the Marine Corps for 16 years at that point. I've been with Special Operations for six of those years. EOD Tech for uh, up to nine of those years. I was very set in a career, in a path. Um, it was, I, I, I felt personally that I was, I was the, you know, in the same sense of a civilian. I was a doctor who had been, I was going to have my license taken from me and I was never going to be able to do that job again. Uh, it, it was, it was difficult to process. I, now, and when I said that, I could have, I knew I could have gotten desk jobs doing similar things, but not what I was doing, not what I was doing in the military, not what I was passionate about, not that I was driven about to that point. To think back on each step in the, in the process of being an engineer to an EOD tech, to, to go to soft, to, to move on, it was, I can't say that there was one thing or another, it's definitely influenced by people at that point. But then once I exited the military, there was no more people necessarily to emulate or to, to look at and, and try to inspire to be or, or to look up to. He's really kind of lost a lot of that once I, once I realized that I was going to transition out. And I was transitioning out for medical reasons. I was getting, no matter what, I was going to be processed out due to medical, due to medical reasons, due to TBI, uh, major depression. I had some back injuries, uh, some other shoulders, some things like that. Nothing, what I felt like was over the top serious, but I definitely knew that I had, I knew that I had things coming to me while I was in that was risky and I knew that I was probably getting out, but the transitional piece was still kind of a shock. I didn't know that that was coming whenever it came. So, you know, from that, from that standpoint though, I had it a lot different than a lot of other service members too. I had investments in something that kept me here within North Carolina. Uh, it was something that was yes, a job when I got out, but it also really locked me in and made me feel very, very isolated here to not be able to go out and make a new career for myself. So I, and I think a lot of other a lot of the guys who get out do the exact same thing in different aspects of their life. Like maybe they don't have a business per se, um, but maybe, you know, instead they go and join a private contracting company, you know, mm-hmm. they get out of, of soft and they go and be, be contractors. Or maybe they go from one logistics and let's be honest, like logistics in the Marine Corps is a fortune 500 logistics company. It's Amazon. So the, the very same people go out and work for Amazon when they get out. The very yeah. same data Marines get out of the Marine Corps and go work for data companies, Google. Yeah, and I think that's true DOD watt. True yeah. DOD watt, 100%. Yeah. Because there's jobs in that. And they are trained. They, they, they were in the military. They went through school. in the, But it's still not an investment in themselves, and they're still not figuring out who, themselves, who they are as people. And that is something that, that they don't know. So for me, I was forced to figure that out. And forced to look at that um, for what it was, and to 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 stay here and stay focused on on something, and that something was kinetic nutrition. It was it was a business that I'd started prior to, without any expectations of getting out. So, would you say that's how you kept the progression forward progression going? Is, I, is 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 that the next? Was that the next step? You know, or or did you have to reinvent your? You know, some guys some guys get out and they, and they totally reinvent themselves, and that's okay. I mean, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? Some guys get out and they, like you said, go to a private military contractor, right? Do the same thing 
over and over again because they like to get shot at for a living or whatever it is, right? Mr. Bond, you and I have talked. Like this, doing this type of, of podcast really does limit my future in my in my career and those type of things. But I also think it's, a, it's very important. And just like what you said at the very beginning of this podcast is a lot of guys get out and don't talk about this and don't talk about the struggles that they had and being open with the feelings that they had. Even to this day, I'm a business owner. It's a successful business. It's not great. It's not grand. We have a lot of different structures to the business. We've developed um, far more than I think a a lot of small businesses have. And that's due to structures and things that have have been brought in from the military, but also the team that's here. We have an online market. We have um, an app. We have a very structured social media platform. But all these things were done by every single thing that was done, whether it's a website or whether it's making a shirt, was done in-house by someone who developed that skill and developed that out. Um, and I think that that has kept me motivated. That has kept me moving forward and and doing and wanting to be better than I was yesterday. It has nothing to do with, with oh, now I'm out and I'm, I'm fearful of it. It's, it's really like seeing those people. But there are other veterans. There are other people who I, I've had to go and search for that. There's no like hiding out and sitting back and, and not putting yourself out there and, and looking for the same stuff you were looking for whenever you were in the military. What is the passion that's driving you now? Is it community involvement? Is it the movement? What is the movement for Connecticut? Yeah, is it what? I, what are you inclusivity of like you know like? Is it involving people? Yeah. All through my time, I was—I mean, from about 2004 on, like I, I used to sit in in briefs, whether they were whether they were con ops or whatever, and I and I constantly heard this word of kinetic, of kinetic, kinetic, kinetic. And I and I process and, and try to think of like what that was and what that means because we describe we use that term a lot in in military um, discussion to talk about um, what the environment is and as a military guy like you look at an environment as being something that you go to you deploy to and then you come back so you turn that environment on and off on and off on and off but that is not the truth of how like every single other American works in their daily life. Every single other American works with that kinetic life on all the time. It's they work every single day, um, just as military members do, but we don't see it that way. Sometimes uh, we see that when we are back here, we, we become lackadaisical. We go to the bar and there's nothing wrong with that. We, we start to digress on who we are as, as people and what we believe. And at times, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think my time in the military definitely taught me that being kinetic, that moving forward, that always doing something that doesn't necessarily have to benefit you, that can benefit a community, is much better worth your time than anything else you can do. Do you feel that's a responsibility or just a drive that you have? I feel it's a responsibility, but it's a responsibility based on the interactions that I've had with men and women throughout the last 16, 17 years of, of my service. And then even beyond that, you know, in my father and in my mother and, and those type of interactions. But absolutely, it definitely plays a huge part in my life of the interactions that I had with the, 
men and women in the last 16 years why I was in the service. That, that definitely gives me the drive to push forward and to do things now. But every single day in the military, we know and we're taught that we and ourselves are the only ones going to get us out of that. You know, in, a, in, a, in every part of our training throughout our service, even starting at boot camp, Mr. Blonde, we're taught that in our team, that is how we will get ourselves out of anything. It's always about the team. You're always about you will suffer for the point of the team. But when a lot of veterans get out, they forget that, and they kind of go internal, and they forget about the team. And they, it's, it's the very same. You have to put in. You have to go out there. You have to search for that, and you have to have that drive to, even if you don't know what you're doing, and I'll sit here and say today, I don't really know what I'm doing. I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of beliefs of the directions that I want to go with kinetic nutrition, with bombshell coffee, uh, with the potential of, of other businesses. But there's also that huge thing of, I don't even know who I am. I need to, I need to pull back and reserve and, and try to show myself that, which is another huge problem that I think a lot of veterans have. They don't know how to figure out who they are. Once again, because we spend our entire life worry about the problems of the team. It's always about the team. The team will suffer the team, the team, it's everyone else. So once you get out, to have to go back and think about what's good for you is a difficult thing for every single veteran to do. And in that, they go internal with it, which can't help at all because it's, it is. We don't, we don't have the conversations like we're having right now, Brett. We don't have them. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the, uh, like you said, the identity crisis, right? Like, um, and I, I think that's, that goes for everybody. I think it doesn't matter what generation you come from. Um, when you transition out of a big part of your life, whether that's, you, you know, like, like, you know, your mother being an educator for 50 years, you know, transitioning out of that. Now the next Monday she wakes up, she's not an educator anymore. Whenever she retires. Right. That's an or, identity. Exactly. It's an identity. It's your entire adult life. That's what you've been doing, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're in the military or you're a, a Mason like my father was or, or a farmer like Danny's father was an EMT. And you know what I mean? Like, and it, it that is your identity. And that identity crisis comes to everyone. It doesn't matter. It touches everybody. It doesn't matter your background, creed, race, religion, whatever. It, it comes to everybody and it's how you deal with that. And, and that's the big outcome. There's a lot of things to be learned from, like like Danny said, where you have that fire in your belly. And if you don't have that fire in your belly, go find it, you know. if you, if you Go find somebody that has it, you know, and latch onto them. You know, like, that. those are the things you need to do, you know. And that identity crisis, man, is super important. Because I've, I've seen a lot of my friends go through that. And, and a lot of them were successful. Some of them weren't. You know, they came out of the other end and, and they became very, very reclusive in their house and in their, their, their family life and, and uh, just kind of pulled back on like, okay, I'm, I'm no longer going to engage with anybody else because I don't know how to do that. And that just kind of like pulled them back into their hole. Mr. Blah, my, my personal belief is that if you don't have the desire internally as, as a human being to do better, then you're not doing something that a human being naturally has desires to do. Every human wants something better for themselves. Every it's it's part of us as human race to to try to make better for ourselves. Um, so if you don't have that desire inside, even I want to I want to touch on this really quick because it is an actual thing. If you don't have the desire inside of you to do something better, then you need to go to a doctor and you need to be checked 
for other things that could be going wrong because those are some of the things that went wrong with me. I know there's some of the things that goes wrong with you um, that we have medical issues sustaining to whether it's hormone deficiencies or whatever. It's one of the, the big causes that I am out of the military now. Um, so it's important. But beyond that, like once that, 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 that fact of desire, like every human has a, has a desire to, to want better for themselves. Beyond that, it's, it's just about drive and what, what pushes you. While I was in the military, one of the big things that I had to tell myself a lot and that I, it was to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That was something that was an early lesson taught, whether it was sleeping on the ground and, you know, shivering or not being able to, you know, the simple things of calling your family or you're always uncomfortable no matter what. You're always dirty. You're always, you're always wet. There, there's always a reason to be uncomfortable. So you might as well be comfortable. Well, since I've been out, the one thing that I've constantly had to tell myself, uh, because the military does structure a lot on team and those type of things, it's, uh, it's learning to withdraw without being withdrawn. I have to focus, and, and I think everyone does, regardless of where you're at in life, whether you're, you're transitioning out of the military or not, you have to focus on yourself. Um, the military doesn't do a very good job of teaching, or it teaches everything against focusing on yourself. It's all about team. So it's, it's not about yourself. So it's, that was one of the hard things in my transition, is to learn to, to start focusing on myself. I'm no longer yes. You know, sometimes that answer has to be no, and I have to go do something for me instead of something for the other team guys or the, you know, whoever it may be. I think beyond that, the, the, the worst thing of exiting the military was really that, that just that loss of self, you know, just like you said, we go through our entire career, 16, 17 years, you, you start to you are that person. So to have that stripped from you, um, and then at the same time, most of us are in, are in strange places and well, different places than where we would normally live. So you have to lose your friend, friend group and your career and everything all at the same time. So it does seem uh, extremely overwhelming. But the biggest thing to take it is, is we're only gonna find it by, by talking about it. And, and that's the biggest thing is, is the constant discussion with it. And kind of the black and white too like i don't hear very many very many uh business owners who are veterans up and talking about the the hard times that they had to, to struggle and those type of things like it, it is really one of those hidden one of those hidden factors but but it is things that that do need to be talked about that's what i was going to ask you think that's uh, i mean how do you view that it, is it something they should be talking about more or is it something that is just unspoken you know I think Brett, it goes back into the very same thing from we don't like talking about the things that we're doing. Um, and I don't think that the things that I'm doing here are necessarily great, but I do think that a lot of people can learn lessons from the things that I'm doing. I'm not, nothing here is going to get any better necessarily from this. It's, it's the fact that people can learn lessons. And that's what we did the whole time we were in the military. It's all about lessons learned constantly. The EOD guys listen to this. We'll take that to heart. It's about lessons learned. No one's job, no one's responsibility, no one's immediate hazard in front of them is any more is any worse than any others. No one's problems are any worse than any others. But it's understanding how to deal with those problems and how to talk through them and to 
associate them with others who suffer from a lot of the same things. But yeah, it is about talking. It is about being open. Um, unfortunately, in, in the community of the veterans and the SF veterans, it's also job security. You sit here and talk about it and you won't have it. So that's an important thing, I think, uh, that, that affects the ability to actually communicate openly about it. No, I would say also, like, the work you guys do, too, like, I, I see on your guys' page all the time, and I think it's fucking awesome. You guys are always promoting and pumping up um, power lifters, men and women that are just, put, you know, uh, athletes, you know, different different athletes. You know, you're, you're doing, like, the, the whole speed wing, um, sky gliding. I don't even know what it's called, man, but it looks fucking awesome. Power paragliding. <laughs> Power paragliding. PPG. Yeah, I mean that's that's so outside the box, Danny. I can't even tell you, dude. Like, I it, other people looking at it. Yeah, I'm sure it's badass, but other people looking at it are like, dude, that is fucking insane and awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I think that the once everybody, every man in the world, like you have to have something that keeps you active that keeps you moving it doesn't have to be what everyone else does breck i growing up my dad we didn't watch football i still to this day i can't tell you a famous player on any team um for the most part i mean there's there's obviously michael jordan and the and the bulls and those type of things but i don't know football players i don't watch i don't watch that any it wasn't something that i was raised on um, but i still have a lot of the same drives and a lot of the same like team cohesion things that, that come from that. Um, I think throughout my time in the military, that's where that was really grown and was made into something that was a true skill that I can put on a resume or that I can put in a business plan in order to sell myself and to maybe not sell myself to anyone else, but sell myself to myself, you know? And that I think that's the important like takeaway that that every single person has that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you know, what you have done. You have that in you as a veteran, as someone who was in the service getting out, you have that in you, that drive uh, to be something. Yeah, for sure. And dude, I've learned so much from, uh, from you and from uh, Breck and like anybody and everybody I, I meet in the military, man. I mean, it's, it goes to say like, um, most veteran guys, I think getting out, like you're saying, getting out, trying to start a new life or trying to, to do something else. I think the hardest, another hard aspect they, they have to get over is, is, a um, you know, taking a little bit of somebody else, whether that's a, a theory or a, a mantra or, or whatever you kind of got, you kind of have to, you need to, you need to kind of humble yourself and go, okay, you know, like, uh, you know, however my personality is right now, this person over here knows what the, what the fuck they're talking about like this shit sounds legit and i may want to go do that you know i might be scared to fucking death of it but one day danny i might get up on one of those fucking paragliders with you dude Dude, it's a it's a hell of a thrill i'm telling you (laughs) that man like i i i searched for it i long for i i went looking for something that gave me it's not the excitement and those type of thrills it i don't know how to explain it i the guys who have it, they have it. You know, it's it's just one of those feelings. But I searched for it, and the one thing too that uh, is a good takeaway from the whole power paragliding thing is that look in places that you never thought you would look before. 
um, in, in activities. Like growing up, I, I was a, a, an avid hunter. I went fishing. Uh, I was a country boy. Like that's where, you know, that's the life that I grew up in. While I was in the service, I, the, a lot of that stuff went away. A lot of those hobbies were gone. So I mean, getting out, I didn't have any hobbies. I shot guns a lot. That wasn't a hobby. You know, it was, it was fun. But it was fun because I did it with my friends on the team. It wasn't fun when I went out by myself to do it. I had to find hobbies and I had to like learn, relearn how to be happy again and relearn how to like go and find enjoyment myself. And with that, like I did, I, I, I kind of looked off the beating, beaten path and looked for some, some outside of the box uh, activities, but they're out there and there's, there's awesome awesome ways to to get out and be kinetic and find something that keeps you active that keeps you healthy that keeps your mind uh progressive and moving forward and that's that's what the business is all about that's what that's what the nutrition store is all about that's that's the kind of person that i feel like i i am that's the people who have influenced me throughout my career and throughout my life are people who are constantly moving forward just to summarize all that, right, bring it all together, man, we've gone over your whole kind of childhood, where you came from, what makes Danny Danny, right? What drives you, what, what puts that fire in your belly and kind of gets you up in the morning out of bed when you don't fucking want to at zero four, zero five. because I know you wake up that fucking early. That doesn't early. happen. I'm, I'm, I really am excited. I, yeah. I like getting up in the morning. I'm a exactly. morning person. Most people actually hate me. Uh, I have a roommate. Uh, still in he, he hates it like i'm a morning person i wake up You're and i'm a tanker. excited yeah that's yep. just that's like kind of who i am yep. uh definitely have developed some of those bad traits about being that too because like, i'm i am awake a lot of the day i don't that is one of the the problems that i one of the medical things that i deal with is i don't sleep very often but i am happy in life and yep. i am i do wake up excited and wake up happy but i know what you mean I know what you mean. There is a drag. No matter what, no matter how happy Dan looks, yep. um, no matter how happy I, you know, I come out and, and greet customers, I still am very, very dragging myself through yeah. life. And so still that leads pushing. me to my question. How did you build, you know, I think this will just summarize it all. How did you build the resiliency now that you have now, right? Like, where, what was the plan or how did you bring that in and say, okay, this is this is my my thought process, right? Or this is my life now. Like, yeah, it's a fucking drag. I have these other thoughts going on or this thing, that thing. You got so much going on. Where did the where did the resiliency come from and, and what was your plan and how did how did you build that? You know, I think that's valuable for a lot of people to understand. I think um, through throughout the last year of my transition and and I look back on the last year of it because um, I'm still not, I still have not completed a, a good transition. I'm still not there. But I look back on it, and it is truly the relationships that I have, that I have not necessarily kept, I would say made since being out, that has kept me on the track that I'm on. If I'd have fell away from, from the connections, both in the veteran community and, and, and not even the VA and whoever else, if I had fell away from those connections and moved away and, and back to that, I can see how so many veterans have such a hard time. 
that that is the the key pillar at the same time it's been that's been a very difficult thing as well because you are still involved and in, and in around all of it but yeah it's it's definitely that it's definitely it's this it's the communication piece it's education not taking what someone else says uh for the fact you know looking it up for go and research it for yourself find out the information for yourself ask the questions people know people will point you in directions and that's it is it's communication it's talking it's asking questions and don't take no for a fucking answer. Dude, trust dude. nobody. Exactly. Trust dude. fucking nobody. That's the mantra, dude. Yep. You have to walk through this world and be good to everybody, but you should fucking trust nobody. And that's the one thing that, that I love the military and I love the, the brotherhood that I have. But every single one of those brothers would say the same thing. You have to be invested in yourself first before anything else. And you got to find yourself you in that whole yourself. process. That's yeah. It. And I, I one a very good friend of mine one day... This, this is probably like four years ago, but he, he told me, you know, keep a, a close circle of consequential people, people that that will, you know, they, they may not make huge moves or a lot of moves, but when they make a fucking move or they do something like people pay attention and people follow. Right. And that's not a military thing. He's just saying in fucking life. That's right. Relationships, you know, like uh, engaging with people. You, you can't you can't be one of these guys that just kind of. All right, well, I don't, you know, I'm going to kind of follow this person or this person or kind of do this over here, and I don't know about this. Like, if you're going to fucking make a move or you're going to commit to something, just fucking do it, man, all out. And That's you right. definitely have, and uh, and Breck, you definitely have, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, like, I think if you really care about something, there's no no in the fucking world that should keep you from that, right? There's no other person that should be able to be like, just because they're hating or they're they're talking shit or whatever you want to say like that that shouldn't even come into your factoring of what your plan is right or how you're going to execute it or what you're going to do or what the end goal is fuck them you know what i mean and and they're they're talking shit probably because they're unhappy as fuck and they're just unhappy with who they are as a per- fucking person right that's exactly right exactly they, they, you, just, you, you can't equate that to to your success you know you have you you do and i've been I've had my fair share of, of personal things that have came up in my life. Uh, I'm sure, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of a single one of them. I'm not, I'll, I'll state my name first and last. I'm not afraid of my history and my past because I've learned from it. And I hope that me talking about it will, will help others in, in that learning of it. But there's nothing, there's nothing for any of us to be a, to be ashamed of in our life. We, we should all be moving forward and being doing progressive things in our life. Um, and, and I think that is exactly uh, what the, the veteran community shows me a lot when I'm in, inside of Kinetic. The, the ones who are, are in here working for me is, is truly incredible to see um, the drive that they have moving outside of the military into something, into a complete unknown. But they do. They see. They see the the benefits in it. Um, they see the benefits of of investing in themselves. Um, and I hope that continues to spread. I hope people can can continue to see that and um, can continue to grow some of that. Now I heard you real quickly just throw out there. Be kinetic. I think that is a lot we need to talk about. You know, what does that mean to you and kinetic nutrition? What does that mean for your community? You know, how can you 
how 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 can how can I be kinetic? I think the the people who are who know me the most know that I put a lot of thought into the full product of what I what what comes from from Dan. Kinetic results from motion. It takes motion in order to to give more motion. Uh, there is nothing about um, given anything in that. You have to you have to put something in in order to have motion to continue. That is kinetic. That is being kinetic. You, there is no easy answer to that. There's no, for the instance of, of supplements, whenever we talk of, of the sports world, um, one of the big things is, is PEDS, performance enhancing drugs. Uh, one of the, the stupidest terms I've ever heard for, for a substance because it's not performance enhancing at all. It's recovery enhancing. Uh, but put that to the side. It's in, in nutrition, you have to put something in in order to ever get something out. You're, there's no, here it is, it's free, here you go, and you're going to continue to go and, and continue to grow from that. You might get something free, but you're not going to grow. That's, that's the important thing, and that's the thing to take away from Kinetic. As a business, we we strive to do things internally, and what we don't have control of internally, we try to to expand our knowledge base on and to learn internally how to do it ourselves. Uh, not because you know we want to do everything; we just want to understand the process and want to develop and want to learn the best process on the way out. Uh, but what that has really boiled into is the development of people inside the business the employees themselves have developed them their own businesses their own processes within that the business has aligned with other businesses within the community uh, to put on events locally um, we go to gyms we do uh, local gym events where they're doing like powerlifting events or, or different things like that we've we promoted with rugby uh, teams it's all about the idea of being kinetic about putting something in and what you put in will depend on what you get out. Like it, it definitely matters all the way through. And that is kinetic. Um, you're not going to, you're not going to get anything if you don't give anything. Uh, so that's what we, that's what we preach. That's part of our mission um, is to every day is to give that um, no matter what it is. And I, I would say too, man, like you want, like you said, you want that other business, you want competition, right? Or you I, want yeah. other people to, to be successful because you don't want everybody i mean you don't want everybody to to uh you know to be mediocre right you don't want everybody to just be right around the same level because nobody's pushing each other to get better or to compete against the other person you know what i mean like i i've always just fed off of other dudes trying to be better than me cuz that makes me better Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I've always loved that. Like, and you call it like a, a friendly competition or whatever. No matter what, I I think we all even it it's not military specific. That is like just you know young person specific. If you're between the ages of eighteen and probably forty, you are competing every single day of your life with somebody else, whether you're married or, or single, to you know have your rest of your life or whatever that is. Right. So like, I love that. I love the competition, dude. I, I think it's awesome. You know, that when you, when you see like 
businesses and and especially veteran-owned businesses like i think i think you're what you're trying to say danny is like you welcome it you know what i mean like you you're kind of like you know what i'm comfortable in that you know what i mean i'm comfortable in myself that i I, i'm i'm cool with it yeah i you know and i want to say i do more than welcome it i'm not just happy that competition is there i want to help people be the competition because that will help progression with myself, with my business. And I know that that will push the people who work for me to be better, to do better, to be kinetic again. And I think that is missed a lot in, in society in general. When, when I got out, that was, that was something that was gleaming to me. Uh, many businesses in the area that I set up in hated each other. Other biz, other like businesses from from miles away that that didn't really affect my demographic at all or, or my market, and I didn't affect theirs because our, our our customers were so far away from each other. They hated the model of me just being in business, um, in competition business with them, even though I was 30, 40 miles away from their store. It makes no sense. Um, it's you know that's when I think that is when investing in yourself can can be a toxic and crossing the line whenever whenever you have hatred towards someone else's success yeah use someone else's success to be your success don't have hatred towards it don't hate in their in their ability to to achieve something even if you don't like how they achieved it even if you don't like how they achieved it still look for look in them for ways to achieve your goals because that's what it's about. Coming from a different background, I've, I've been in sales for over 10 years. And if you're dealing with a salesperson and the first thing they do is criticize the competition, that's the person you don't want to deal with. You want to talk about you, – you never discredit your competition. You only promote your product. If you run across someone that is discouraging someone else's product – then they're obviously there for the wrong reason. They're just trying to make the money. You, I mean, you can't, you don't discourage someone else. I mean, that's the, I mean, it's a whole different ball game, different what we're talking about, but that's kind of a different environment that, that I'm in. And you learn immediately is, is, is promoting yourself. And then, Hey, they're, they do a great job too, but this is what we can do that can help you. And I, I, I almost think it's lost energy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the energy you focus in on that other person or that other business or whatever the fuck they're doing. And you're just so focused in on like, you know, bringing down and breaking down their business and, and putting them in the fucking gutter. Like that's energy that you could use and time in your fucking life to better your business. And I think that's where that's like that's the idea, right? Like, you want to use that time. Every single waking moment of my life is to better my position, better my stance or what I'm doing. And if I can help somebody along the way, cool, because guess what that does? That betters my position. That betters me. It's just the same thing like on the teams or an EOD team or a special operations team. or you're, you're only as good as your lowest common denominator. So in your specific field or, or whatever – culture or whatever business you're part of if other people in that same business are failing around you yeah you may think that makes you look good but that doesn't because if they're putting out a shitty product or they're putting out shitty people or shitty ideas then all of a sudden that looks bad on you whether you fucking want to realize it or not well, you know what i mean 
Yeah, that's that's how my outlook on it. Like, why why spend all that fucking time and energy just to demoralize somebody else and and to, and to shit talk somebody else when you can spend that time and energy focusing on yourself and making yourself better? Because it, eventually, it's just a cycle of unhappiness. You're just gonna end up unhappy, you know. And that's the way I look at it, man. You know, I I just don't see the point of it. Coming from a a job where Social media was not, not only was it not, in, it was, it was discouraged and to the point of you could, you know, lose your, lose parts of your career, um, or capabilities. If you made yourself public on social media, I didn't have it. It was one of those things that as I was in special force, I didn't have that. And so I was completely detached from a personal level to the world. So it was, it was distant. And then once I got out, it was a very quick drop back into back into the society, the normal American society as far as social media. Because it, it was required for business, so it required a lot of that effort back into it. But what I really realized, and, and the only reason I realized it, I personally believe, is because I didn't have it before. But what I realized, I started losing who I was as a person. Who, And I think a lot of guys do that, and I know there's a few other uh, military members who they've gotten out veterans talked through these means of podcasts and other ways who have said much of the same thing once they once they got out they really involved themselves into social media and became more of a social media presence um, for their business model maybe uh, but in that like completely lost who they were or never never even identified it so i think it's, it's it's another thing to be careful to find yourself, every military. When we talked about earlier, how military um, go to boot camp and you really become indoctrinated. You kind of lose who you are, uh, whether it's for four years or not. Uh, and then you're getting out, and you have to know who you are. You still you haven't figured out. You've lived this, as this different person for for so long uh, that you don't know who you are, uh, or never figured out who you were. And then you're pushed back out into society to like go and perform right now and go and, and become that. I think that you know it's very important for for everyone to to focus within, have the have the drive within, have the the kinetic drive within, seek it from others. Look look in in places and in people for those those things that push you forward, those things that drive you, that make you want to be better. But that's what it's about. That's what transition is about. And I, I don't I don't. I don't think from a civilian standpoint, you could look at it any differently, Rick. I don't know. Uh, I think that regardless, like, there is no other way than to find the other people around you that push you and drive you and, str- and, and strive to be as good as them. Yeah, I mean, I've always heard that, you know, you are the combination of the five people you spend the most time with. And I'm not saying drop it, but, you know, you know, if you're trying to move forward, you want to surround people with people, surround yourself with people that are moving forward. Yeah. Um, one, and one of the posts that we posted on Instagram was, you know, um, self-worth, right? Self-worth and kind of um, looking around at the people around you in your life and and holding them to the same, holding them accountable just like you would hold yourself accountable. Um, that's the only, tr- I, I believe, you know, this may just be me, but I believe that that's the only true way that you really can be happy. You know what I mean? Like if you have a bunch of people around you that are just fucking negative and bringing you down and not really doing anything for you as far as day-to-day mentality, 
why the fuck are you talking to them still? You know what I mean? Like, oh, cool, they're they're awesome. Like, you get you when you hang out with them, they like to get drunk or they like to fucking hang out or like to do the same kind of things you do. Cool, man. But like, really, why are you hanging out with that person? You know, and that that goes for anybody in your life. I don't understand. You know, I I don't have it figured out. I've fucked all kinds of relationships in my fucking life up, but I just don't understand why people continue to have negative people in and around them if they're they know they're neck you know what i mean like you you kind of have to take stock if you know that person is if, if you can't hold them to the same standard life-wise that you're holding yourself to as far as like being kinetic or or with your work or whatever it is you know like i, I feel like th- that's how you have to look at it you know what i mean and and it's kind of a weird way to look at it but i think it I, it's kind of one-sided but um, I, I'm starting to realize that now, you know, like, like you said, Dan, earlier, I, I, I feel very connected to, to your, to, to your statement earlier when you were like, you know, I've, I've, um, I, I've had to really work at putting myself number one, you know what I mean? And, and having so many people around you when you're in the military, you know what I mean? And so many people moving pieces and you, you pick up new teams and even EOD teams or even engineer engineer platoons back in the day. Like you're moving around so much that you just have all these relationships. And I still have friends from 2004, 2005, 2006 that I still talk to like on a weekly basis, you know. And, um, you know, that's 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 a hard thing to do, you know, like to, to differentiate. Okay, are these... You know, I, I I hate to say this, but are they, are they lifelong friends? Or are they just somebody I meet? You know, and I'm just like, okay, cool. Like we another huge problem yeah. that the military puts into a lot of lives. I think as far as the service, there's a, there's a few issues I think we could talk about there with things that the military kind of does um, for the better of the organization. Um, one being the promotion of early marriage. Um, inside the, you know, inside the service <laughs> for retention purposes. We'll I, talk, we could talk about that for days. I am an early marriage, so I, but, I know exactly what you're saying. You know, and, and it, it is, it's for you, Brick, the, the whole purpose and the whole point of that. Um, so I don't completely leave you uh, open to this is that, uh, the, the promotion, what I'm talking about is that they do the instantaneously, you can go from being, think about it this way, a freshman in college living in the dorms to having your own house the very next day you know that's the kind of promotion that they does a you know is that good for everybody yeah that can be that can be back the point is is that it does promote early uh which just brings tons of problems to to the service itself but it's ultimately for the better good of the organization because then they make you dependent on the organization you're in a family have a home so retention is not a problem, and that's you know much of the sense of why we don't have a draft. Anyways, that's one of the issues is the organizational issues of how they make they make us dependent on the on the the, the need of the organization. That's the whole the whole point of it for for retention. But breaking free of those uh, of those chains a little bit and understanding that although every single Every single, you have the strength, you still have to learn and, and understand the knowledge. So it is about learning and accepting and working for your own goals. Just like you said, involving, doing things for yourself. It's not just people, it's places that are bad. It's not, it, most of the time, it's not the people, it's the places that are bad. 
it's the activities it's the the focus on people's on on people's spare time that that makes it bad most every single unit that deploys you hear they come back with outstanding accolades but then they come back and the and the service members have duis and have all kinds of issues within two to three days of getting home why why is that they just they just came back from from an amazing operation where they did their job successfully every single day um, and then those very same service members come home and have those issues within 24 hours of of being back to the states um, and I think that that in itself is a is a black and white and all of us have seen if you've been in and you've seen that happen to, to any one of your friends whether it was the first four years I've seen it happen to one of my friends within the first three years the organization is there for the organization and I, I appreciate every bit that I've learned from the organization and the brotherhood that I made inside of the organization but once you're out it's not the organization anymore and that's where the the look of who you are as self and being selfish has to come into play and too many uh, in fact all all people in general they don't really do that before they get out of that job or they don't do that they don't look at that before there's a risk or they don't think about maybe the risk of not having that job and i think that's very important i think i think that's very important rick for for even the civilians to sit and think about like it is 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 one of those things especially with covid now and all these other problems that it has made those things as a, more of a reality for people of like having to live without the, the paychecks and things like that. No one should use that for an excuse as to why, in my personal belief, you should never use that for an excuse. But as a service member, whenever you get out of the, out of the military, there's a few jobs that you might continue to do. This, but for the most part, there's not a single job that you're going to do that is the same as what you did in the service. Well, there are principles that you know, just, I'm trying to stay on topic here, but you, you know, you hear things like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know, that those things like that are things that are kind of promoted outside the military and, and, you know, people taking care of them, you know, this, you know, the whole social media aspect is, is promoting yourself. That's literally what it's about. And I honestly, I feel like it's kind of getting too much of that. And, you know, I, I guess it's just hard for me to, to understand, you know, a world where, you know, you got to explain to a person, hey, you're important by yourself too. Like, um, yeah. you don't have to be a part of a team. Like, you need to think about yourself a little bit too. And uh, I think there's a good balance in there. You know, we, we the, the non-military need to learn a little bit more about team and taking, taking some self out of it. And the military need to learn a little more about taking some self on. And, you know, I don't know if I'm missing that point there, but, you know, no, I absolutely, Breck. I think, like what what you're saying there, the mil, military personnel getting out today, right? Tomorrow, right? Gets his DD two fourteen. He steps out the door. The first thing in his mind is major. I wouldn't say all of them. Majority of them, including myself, is like, okay, I'm gonna take six months off. Like I'm not gonna do shit, right? Yeah. They think that that is self. You finding know, you're finding you're out yeah. there yeah you're gonna you're gonna go like you're gonna take a break you're gonna look at yourself you're gonna kind of do what you want to do go hiking or do it smoke some weed or whatever the fuck you got going on right and those are not bad things by the way but what would you guys say 
to that guy getting out tomorrow, right? And that's what he wants to do. He wants to go back to Ohio or Texas or Chicago or wherever the fuck he's from. And he doesn't want to do shit for six months. Doesn't want to go to college. Doesn't want to fucking read a book. He just wants to go home and not be fucked with by the platoon sergeant or the first company first sergeant or whatever the fuck, right? What, what, what would you say to him getting out tomorrow? It is a very important process to make sure that the, the members that are getting out have the understanding of how to get what what's what their life is going to change i mean just like we talked about it's a, it's a change of it's a doctrinal change of a person to be able to work inside the military and they don't really get the skills to work as a civilian even though in my case i was 36 years old when i got out and i didn't have the i just didn't i just didn't know how the process worked of doing the simple things in life of getting insurance life insurance i mean we we have all of those things in the military, but they're, they're for the most part they're they're kind of there, you know. And in the grand scheme of things, I think most veterans, you know, most people who get out of the military would say that those aren't those aren't things that really affect them too too much. But they'll all agree that they had no idea how to do it at all, and it did take time out of what should have been a day of looking for a new career or or. or that like thinking about that progression of like what am I going to do next to just the the simplicity of like I don't even have fucking health insurance like I don't even know how to do it and you feel like the rest of society is doing this and you feel like you don't have any skills yet again you know you're back to that resume of like I don't have anything to put on this resume because I was just an infantry guy or I was just a, a logistics like I don't I was in the Marine Corps I went to boot camp I don't have any skills so a lot of I think a lot of people look at that and say those type of things. Um, and also society breeds that type of behavior a lot, too. You know, you see that. <laughs> I, I think that it would be interesting to bring some younger generation into that, both both uh, veteran and and not and hear kind of where that is and, and where that that state is, because I I don't think that my my work ethic in both while I was in the service and since I got out of the service really reflects on, on necessarily my youth. Although that was a definite driving factor. Uh, the reason I don't think that, that really had anything to do with it is because of the, the people, uh, that I see working around me inside of connect nutrition, but also other, um, businesses that have nothing to do with me. They're their own business and they're running their own business. Um, one of them is, is, Axe Head uh, Coffee Roasters, Jesse Jordan, owner of that, like was prior service member, and, like running that business, providing all the coffee for my coffee shop, plus others doing, doing roasting every night. But he's still working a much more than nine to five. He's, he's still working a, a, a contracting job, uh, doing his old job. You know, so he, he didn't just get out and say, oh, you know, now it's time for the military to pay me. You know, he, he drove and, and pushed to do something for it. So I think for the, to answer the question, um, I hope that, I hope that, uh, more service members are listening to this and, and take it before the day they get out. This advice is it start investing in yourself now. Um, s stop going to the places that aren't going to, do things to help you progress in life. Um, invest in the in the places and in the things that are good for you. 
in your future. Um, that's the most important thing. For the, for, the, for the ones who are just getting out now, it's, it, really, it really does come down to um, being strong internally, being progressively strong. You have, to, you have to have your own drive. You have to push yourself and you have to, you have to move forward in yourself. If you don't have that, you need to find something that pushes you that direction. And I think with most veterans, that's that's other veterans. I think for for most people, it's, it's things in the, in the like, um, you know, if if they like to play football, then go and find football players that they that yeah. they, they look for. But Someone, it is it, it is something. about finding yeah. those things. But it yeah, it's all about drive. It's all about moving forward. Yep. I I would say. Um, Find people that are being successful who are not exactly like you. If you're a military, find non-military. If you're non-military, find military. If you're this political, be that political. Find people that are not like you, that are succeeding, and take the positive from them. There's going to be negative in there too, but you can be negative and focus on the negative, or you can be positive and focus on the positive. I, I think it's, you know, I'm learning a ton, you know, and what I'm seeing is, is there's a lot of differences, but there's a lot of similarities. So, but, you know, if it's half and half on one side and you can take 25%, now you're, you know, you're at, you're at a higher place than you were. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in just surround, you know, that's what America is. We're a hodgepodge of a lot of different types of people. And that's, you know, that's what I think this podcast to me is about is taking all the positive I can out of this person, all the positive I can out of this person and, and, and seeing if I can influence them in a positive way so we can learn from each other. So I, I would tell that person getting out, hey, you know, find you some, you know, some um, local non-military friends as well as military and, you know, learn from the guys that have been out two years, three years, four years, 20 years, and then find you a local person that has never been in and see what you can learn from them and just and, and be uh, and try to, you know, be kinetic. Start that movement. Yeah, for sure. And it did. I, I, uh, it kind of takes me back, like, like your last statement about the PTSD and, and, um, the way veterans kind of transition out. Um, you know, me just come from where I come from, small town in, in West Texas. Actually, uh, my father passed away like earlier this year, like in February. And I went, actually, I took a, like a whole day. Um, I actually went down there to visit him before he passed away when he was getting really sick. He had, he had cancer and, um, and I, I w- actually went to the Vietnam Memorial in that small West Texas town. And, uh, I was looking at the wall up there. Right. And, and, uh, I, I didn't realize that that many guys had died, um, in Vietnam from that, that small town. I mean, this small, this, I, I say small probably maybe 10,000 people at this point, you know, 60 years ago when, when Vietnam was kicking or 50 years ago when Vietnam was kicking off, it was, it may have been 7,000 or even 5,000. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I was looking at that and just kind of like at the, um, you know, they have like a, a, a old Huey helicopter painted mm-hmm. just like it is in Vietnam and, and everything else. And, and it just made me think like I had visited the VA in my hometown and uh, walked around and talked to people, and and my dad wasn't in in Vietnam or in the, even in the military. None of my uncles were, but um, there was plenty of people around there that my dad, and my mom knew, and and family members knew, and cousins or whatever, that had been through Vietnam, and 
and their transition out, man, it was just, it was not good. You know, like I, I looked at that and I was like, man, I think about it now, like me, get, me getting out soon out of the military. And I'm like, man, holy shit, dude. Like it was a different time, you know, back, back then those people were, were those guys, guys and gals coming back from Vietnam or World War II or Korea or whatever it was like. They just got dumped on the street, and we we do too. But they they were just you know, I, thanks for thanks for showing up, man. See you later. You know, yeah, I, a lot it, of issues. It's uh, it's it's really a, it's there's a lot of similarities, but there's there's also a lot that I I can't imagine how yeah. how those how those military members can't how they felt when they they came home to that Protest. environment. Yeah, and I, and it, you know. I don't want to. I don't want to offend like our current generation by by saying uh, anything because I think that that we have have also um, taken a hefty weight on on the shoulders and and I say that to the you know to mainly to the to the brothers and that I know um, that have suffered far more and their families suffer far more than than I have and I I just think though that as a society uh, and I think every I know that I know that you'll agree with me. We we don't see things the same way that that we used to. Um, both on on the the amount of weight we put on death um, within another U.S. person um, to the just to like what we see in the world. Like it, it's it's kind of strange to me how how we can be so connected social media wise and so connected in the world. But but the fact is that most Americans are very disconnected from the the weight that life or the weight that death holds in the in the grand scheme of the world so and i think in turn that has kind of fallen to the service members as as well and and to to our own published well so it's, it's it is kind of in the same sense as we i don't think that service members coming home now have the same type of of heartache that they they did during vietnam it is a lot the same it is a lot the same because there is a lot of distance that's that's placed between those members who have, have done multiple, especially multiple deployments, not even multiple, just four years, and the rest of society. Um, the world moves very fast now. So uh, you, you go into the service for four years, and the world's changed in four years whenever you come out. You go into boot camp for three months, and the world's changed in three months. So it, it's very fast, and it feels like it moves on without you. Um, so trying to play catch-up to that can be uh, – it can place – it can place – people in a bad situation times you know yeah. and they put themselves in better but i think it's uh dude it's where where are you at like as far as like getting out soon where are you at with that like i know i know where i was i know that i didn't know that when i was like, getting out i didn't really know but i knew there was a possibility i'm not saying that that's the same with you i know that in the job fields that we hold that's always a possibility but what what is it? What do you feel now? Like two two years, they get out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's close, and and I think the biggest thing I'm I'm kind of going through, and I I see a lot of guys out there I I've known for a long time. You know, um, I keep in contact with you. You know what I mean, and and with other other guys. But um, I think the biggest thing is is like I said that that identity crisis, man. Like it doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done in your life, or or what background you come from that is a real smack in the face and it doesn't you know i've i've been very fortunate i've had uh 
you know, my my family with me. I've, you know, I got I got to have three daughters. I'm married. I've been very fortunate to be married almost my entire career, um, to to an amazing wife, amazing woman that's put up with a, a lot over my career. But she, you know, that that really is is my like saving grace. That and like you said, kind of coming back and just pushing it forward, being kinetic, being. Being whatever verb, whatever word you choose, not verb, but word, word you choose to mantra or saying or, or quote or whatever. Like, you know, the, the reason I, you know, we have all those posts on the IG page, man, um, on Instagram, it's, it's like a daily therapeutic thing, you know. And whenever we get uh, heat shot friction should be up dot uh, com should be up pretty soon. We're gonna have like a blog going on, you know, and like I think I think those those like daily therapeutic things. When people read those things, when I write those things, you know what I mean. Like it just helps me out tremendously because I could just get that off my chest. Good, bad, and different. Those are thoughts that are just jumbling around in my head. You know, daily, day in day out, I think about those different aspects. A lot are good, a lot are bad, you know, but that's like my, my, me looking forward, leaning forward, like, I'm just trying to keep myself busy and just kind of, you know, figure, figure things out, you know, it, it's, it is scary, man, and I'm not afraid to say it, it's a scary fucking thing, and I, I think a lot of my peers, um, that I've already gotten out, either medically, like you, Dan, or, or, um, or, you know, um, retired, or, or whatever, um, like the guys that are our few are before generation, a couple of years, four or five years before us, now retired. Our bosses essentially, um, you know, they 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 had to deal with the same things, right? But but you know, th- those are the guys I want to focus in on to to pick their brain. You know, I want to see their specific outlook on it because I know mine, and it's it's sketchy. Like everybody thinks they have it figured out. Nobody has it fucking figured are, out. Are you know? talking about like the senior, the 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 senior list, or the guys who are going to retirement? Are those are the guys you're talking about, like that seem like they have it figured out, or seem. Yeah, you know, like I think because I felt like that, like when I was yeah, in, like yeah. looking, and and honestly, even feeling it myself. Like I, by the time I am at retirement, I will have it figured out. Yeah, and that's how I went to. I was not. And this is not how you should be. I was not one of those military guys who went to and did college my entire time I was in the military. I didn't get a degree while I was in. I didn't further my education outside of my military skills. I, I went to lots of schools and really focused on it. I enjoyed it, and I, but I really focused on it because it was progressing me in my career. Um, going to college for economics or anything else was not going to move me forward immediately in my career um and when you're dealing in in the the business of of you have to be kind of young to be in that career uh you have a limited amount of time and it it is one of those things that so i know a lot of a lot of military also go through their whole time and they don't develop any other skill outside of what they what they have um i you know with that though is we're still very, very strong and, and, and driven people, um, too. And I think a lot of guys, even the senior listed, whenever they get out, fall into that same, that same category that even the guys who only do four years do. Um, 
they go a 20 year career and say that they're going to have it figured out. And then a lot of them don't. Uh, I think that's probably even more so the case than the guys who only do four years or, or eight years. Cause those guys, are, I mean, going back to school, blend, I mean, you're pretty much blending right back in with the same age group that you had for someone who's more senior. It's, it's definitely a lot different. They're definitely moving into a completely different, um, different state. So I, I, I don't think that they're, and I don't think a lot of senior military also invest in in their personal stuff. So I think there's a lot more of that um, senior guys who are still working for the man, still trying. They they haven't developed those those skills to work by themselves just by being in the military by no means. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you this: I get more questions when I've gone to job interviews about I put on their events I've done like a triathlon or team handball or basketball I end up getting more questions about those than I do some of my previous jobs just because it it shows dedication um and I I think you know I don't want to miss that and I I don't want it to feel I I want you know the people listening that you know um, if you have things in your past you've done you got to be able to to put that on paper it's not bragging about yourself. It's just showing you things that you can do. And that person coming out needs to know that I have skills. I have skills that I can be trained. I can be taught um, for people that's not in the military. Same thing. You know, you got to show that, you know, you got to be able to take the, the skills that you have and move forward with it. Absolutely. I think it is, you have to look at, at everything from a different perspective. Once you, once you change from a, from a military member to a civilian, um, but you also, you know, in the, in the same light, like military, we have, we have to learn what civilians need from us in the same sense. We have to learn those skills. We have to be those. There's not that you don't get to use that for an excuse. You don't get to use, I have PTSD for an excuse. You don't get to use, I'm a veteran for an excuse. Uh, there, why would you want to? That, that's the, you've never done that a day in your life, but and I hear it a lot and I hear a lot of it. Um, it's it's not it's not good. If you, if you think that it's an excuse, then then start talking about it and tell us what's going on because other people might go down that same road and they need to know how not to how not to use that for an excuse. So if nothing else, help your brothers. And and if you feel like that's the case, then talk about it and, and hit us up. Message me on Instagram. Bomb doubles underscore skull. Message me if you have if you have those thoughts that you're not that as, as, a, as a service member, if you have those thoughts that you're not that as a person, message me. I'll, I'll, I will show you 12 ways that you are and that you have the skills, and those are, those are important for everyone to take away. Yeah, for sure, and it's that time of year, you know, um, the holidays right now. Check on your brothers. It's that, it's that time of year, man. People are getting lonely. Um, people are thinking about things the wrong way. You know, I, I just... Uh, talked to a very good friend the other day and he said this, this is the the worst time of year for him he hates it you know so check on your brothers um do the right thing and and like danny's saying you know um hit him up if you have any questions about any of that stuff he just he just went over just hit him up you know hit me up you know hit us up at at uh heat shock friction you know hit john john breck up at john breck you know on instagram um, we're just trying to help, you know, trying to get the word out there and, and talk about these things. These are the things we all need to talk about and we should all strive to talk about. And if you want, if, fuck, if, if, 
I don't care who you are. You want to come on this podcast and, and you don't agree with us or you do agree with us or you have a different point of view or you have an issue or something that you've been through that you want to talk about, hit us up, dude. We'd be more than happy to have you on here. Yeah, I'm here to talk. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's completely open. Uh, if you have a question, ask it. Um, it's not the easiest to sit on, on this side of the mic and to, to be uh, just open, um, to be filmed. To, that's a very awkward thing to go through, um, living such a life that, that, that wasn't a thing to do. Um, but it's not, I'm, we're not here. Just like we started from the very beginning, we're not here to talk about the TTPs. We're not here to talk about uh, the war story. Will they come out? Will we talk about it? Will we have guests that, that obviously bring a lot of that discussion out? Yes. Um, it will happen from time to time. But that's not the core, that, the, the reason, the mission of this. Um, the mission is to, is to touch not just veterans. It's, it's to touch both sides. Um, that's why the panel, that's why we have everyone sitting here that we have. That's why we're going to have the, the future guests and, and things that we have is to really bring those questions. So I hope that uh, through Facebook, through Instagram, we start to get a lot of questions as, as the next uh, few podcasts air. We're doing them live and, and actually getting live questions while we're, while we're doing this. And it's, it's not always going to be comfortable. Um, get comfortable being uncomfortable that's right uh and you know you know in my business my, i had a great manager that said to me once before swallow the frog you know if you have an issue in front of you it's better to go ahead and bring it out in the beginning and just you know it's it's, it's it, and make sure you get that issue out let's let's talk about it um you know it might not be all the right answers but we can we can try to get to it together one of the biggest things that we did is uh later on in my career when i was on the teams it was called a hot wash not getting into too many TTPs here. This is this is a time when, when your own brothers could tell you um, that you fucked up, and there was no feeling upset about it. There was no questioning whether they seen what they seen, whether you were really fucked up. You accepted it, and and you accepted what they seen as as the the truth to fix a problem, and to and to to move it forward. Uh, with this first episode, this is the site to see that there there are issues, there are questions, there are concerns that that even uh, people sitting around this table have to ask each other, and there's there's many more people who have to ask it. So I'm excited. I'm excited to sit and, and talk and to be uh, ask anything, any question you guys have uh, will be will be answered by by me to the fullest. Uh, it, it's all about that and. Uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, that's a great segue. So this is kind of our hot wash, you know. Um, I like it. Yeah. So into the into the episode here, um, we're just gonna wrap it up. You know, um, I would say if uh, let us know what you think. If you if you think differently about anything we've talked about, if you if you've made it this far in the podcast, good on you. Um, we've we've been pretty long winded about a lot of things, and that and that's okay because we wanted to make sure that. You guys understood um, the background specifically of, of Dan, Danny and, and Breck, you know, and, and myself and just and just where we're coming from, what we're trying to accomplish. But really the background is what's going to is the building block for this for this podcast, you know. So um, hit us up on the page on this post for this episode. 
Let us know what you think in the comments. Just just put it out there. I don't care. DM us. DM us straight up. DM myself. Um, you know, DM, DM us at uh, Heat Shock Friction. DM Dan uh, at, at bomb underscore school. Or DM um, John at John Breck uh, on, uh, on Instagram. Or, or talk to us at, at heatshockfriction.com. Um, and, and just let us know what you think. Email us heat frotch, heat shock friction at gmail.com. And, uh, and just let us know what you think. Um, like I said, we really came into this open-minded. Um, this is a work in progress, right? So, um, you know, any, anything you guys think, just let us know. And, uh, you know, I, I would I I want to end these episodes on like a uh, you know overall good note right so um, I would say at the end of these episodes we just kind of bring up um, I'm gonna bring up a couple of uh, organizations you can donate to and uh, to kind of further the veteran cause and also um, a couple other causes that I'm I kind of Mr. Blonde uh, personally holds very very dear to his heart so obviously the eod warrior foundation huge one if you if you haven't looked them up look them up on instagram you can find them on the internet um donate to them they do a lot of great things for the eod community and then uh, another one uh that that i like to donate to and that i really support is uh operation underground railroad um, which is a huge huge proponent of uh of the fight against uh human trafficking specifically uh child trafficking and, and sexual exploitation and uh and and sex uh sex trafficking sex slavery type thing so just just uh look them up if you haven't seen them um and i'll turn it over to to dan um any any things you you want to close out with no i did i mean it, you're right you hit it on the nail we, we need communication we need to know what people want to talk about we need to know what people want to hear about um i'm an open book Rex's an open book. No, you're an open book. We we want to get the information out there, but it's impossible to really know like where where the direction is. We have a good direction uh, that we're going. I'm super excited about the future guests that we have and, and what we have to talk about. I think uh, our conversations will lead down endless uh, endless roads of, of unanswered questions that people might have. But the the one thing that uh, that I've learned the most is like it is about lessons learned. And if you don't ask, um, or if you don't highlight that, that you had the, the issue at some point in time in your, in your pathway, then no one else can learn from that mistake, and everyone's just going to continue to make the same one, continue to call the wrong person, uh, continue to throw their hands up and say, I don't know uh, what to do at this point. And that could be both directions, veteran or not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, that's why we're here. Uh, I think that's the, uh, the mission. I know that that's the mission for you for me and Brett, uh, the most that we can do uh, is, is through information for getting questions so bring them on yeah no one's here claiming to be have all the answers or have the path we're, we're, we're this is a search for it a, and seeking answers we're, we're looking for everyone to contribute um, give us your stories uh, maybe your story can help somebody else that's listening and we can uh, pass it forward and uh, be kinetic there it is Good evening, everyone. Hell yeah, be kinetic.